Blood Covenant, a V5 Sabat story, is a production of Simulacra Studios. This podcast is intended for a mature audience and contains descriptions of violence, sexual activity, mental illness, body horror, and inhuman supernatural depravity. If you're not comfortable with what you hear, please feel free to skip ahead or stop listening. If you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash studios. Oh, buckle in. Shit's about to get weird. The rest of you gather, you guys head bend to one of the entrances to the Haven, and in contrast to last night, when you guys get down into the lower levels, it is not quiet. There is the sound of voices, and there's actually the sound of music. There's steady, almost arrhythmatic, but it's, it's arrhythmatic because there are multiple drums going, and there's the high tones of violins and uh, maybe a cello going as well so it's this combination of like maybe a maybe a string quartet and a drum circle going on Uh, but that is what you guys hear when you get start getting into the passageways that lead down to the haven and you eventually come to the central meeting place the cathedral how do you guys enter the room he doesn't do this often, but Leon, definitely when he wants to make an impression or show his aura, the shadows and everything around him start deepening and darkening. Everything gets much more black and white around him, and that's generally a sign for you guys to, to flank him as his pack. Do as I am told. Let's get in formation. I roll my eyes. Meanwhile, Paisley's looking like a kid on pixie sticks over here, just... (gasps) So when the Blood Covenant comes into the main room, there's a pause. The music stops for just a moment as eyes turn to all of you. And you feel the stares of several dozen predators fall upon you. And there's a moment when there's tension but then that moment passes and you feel welcomed people move aside and you are you don't have to fight for a place in the pews for a place in the room you can establish not any place you want but you you are free to establish a favorable spot for yourselves we will do so there are as i said several dozen canines here you guys see sort of on the sides of the room a few corpses, looks like probably homeless people who've been fed upon and moved off to the side. But mostly this is kind of social time. There's a lot of people talking, a lot of people talking amongst their packs, but you see like emissaries being sent out to from pack to pack and everyone is just sort of waiting. What are you guys doing? I look to Leon because I feel like in these moments, like he's fucking boss, you know what I mean? Yeah, he knows the social stuff about how this place works way better than I do, so I just kind of take my cues. Because we got a good headway into the room, I want to sort of take in the room and start mapping and keying in on people to so know who I can, like, send who out to to go talk to people. You can sort of just see where people are standing, and you see, like, 
All right, there's a couple of Templars there. They're obviously in, like, guard position. You can think you kind of can feel out the various hierarchies in the room. Like, you think you can maybe identify the duck die of maybe half the packs. But beyond that, you can't really glean it. You're, you don't know these people. There's not a lot to go off of here, but you just sort of read body language and you get a general idea of where the power lies. He's going to get up and he's going to look to Paisley and go, Paisley, please join me. Everyone else, just relax. People come talk to you. Talk to them. Be nice. And basically me and Paisley are going to go up and start talking. With the ones I, I eyed as the duck die, I'm definitely going to go over and introduce myself with Paisley as, as my priest and sort of make those polite introductions. So you make the rounds. You meet a couple of people. Everyone's kind of under guard with you. Everyone's polite. You get names. You get pack names. You start to fill out your flow chart, your seating chart, as it were. Paisley, how are you approaching this? Since Leon is looking at the duct eye, I'm, again, more mingling with the other priests, kind of getting ideas just by the way they speak, by the way they are with their other packs, just how they operate. While Leon's doing most of the talking, you're watching people. You're seeing, you're sort of getting to read on people, and you are able to fill out what Leon is, like, you guys, I'm assuming you guys are, like, sharing notes as you go between packs. So, yeah, you guys, you guys are starting to fill out a, a pretty decent hierarchy of what's going on here. You get some names, you introduce yourselves to people, and you guys think you generally make a good impression. Back at the little area where you guys have established for yourselves, what are Reggie, Layla, and Buck up to? The fuck are we supposed to be doing right now? Yeah. This is incredibly awkward. It's very awkward. Yeah, yeah, that's real awkward. I have not been in a room with this many others since the night... Well, room. Yeah. That was a field. But since the night I was created, probably. You need to dump that story on me sometime, because you just... Like, was it bad, Reggie? It was a mixed bag. As good as a story of being a shovelhead can be, and I guess... Yeah, we don't do that, so I don't know. My story as a shovelhead is the grand shovelhead success story for the ages, I think. I think you turned out quite nice. Why, thank you. Yeah, that's very confident. I like that. Yeah, put me on a fucking poster, I guess. I don't know. You, too, could be part of the Sword of Cain. Grab a shovel. I suppose we just... We just chat like like a like a posse of girls in a cafeteria, huh? That's kind of the feeling this is. <laughs> this bet. <laughs> and just wait to be approached. You see Mistress Enya comes in with a couple of people. She's sort of flanked by ghouls. They're not yeah, they're not war ghouls, so they're not like kitted out with barbed wire and chainsaws, but they are not human looking at all, but they don't have the bearing of a canite. But they're, she is, she is sort of detached from her flesh ball. She still has those like sort of spindly multi-limbed giraffe legs, but she's more in a human bilateral symmetry kind of thing. And she passes by your group and pauses and turns to the three of you and says, have you found yourself well? Oh, fantastic. Thank you. 
Yeah, everything's going great. Good, good. And she's like seven feet tall in this still very vaguely human form. She like bends one of her knees down a couple of times and she gets down closer to Reggie. And she says, You are of the clan, yes? The, the Shapers, yes? Indeed. After this, there is something I would like to show you. I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to see it. I look forward to it. Good, good. I I might need your help with something. Oh, fantastic. This structure, the, the cathedral itself, is very impressive. It's amazing. Yes, yes, the stone has many secrets. And she just kind of smiles with that crack, like the, the skin cracking the smile. She says, I must take my place. I will see you later this evening, yes? Yes, look forward to it. Have a... Be well. And she stands back up, her leg cracking into place, and... Uh-oh. Mm. I, the, and he's like, as she's far, and I was like, yeah, I don't understand the point of, like, constantly destroying yourself. Like, that's the part that confuses me, too. I, I, I like the sound that her legs make. For Adam, like, doesn't it hurt? I don't know. I, I think she just turned... I mean, if I were her and I were doing that, I would just turn the nerves off. Why wouldn't you? I'm like thinks about that. She never considered that that was something you could do. Well, you never really think about it, but if you couldn't feel pain, what would you be feeling? Think about that for a second. Nausea? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you'd feel, well, you'd feel everything. And sometimes the pain covers up something so much weirder. Anyway, but we don't have to talk about this. We don't have to talk about this. I know it makes Buck uncomfortable. As you guys are having this conversation, Paisley... You don't know who this person is. You don't know their name, but you do recognize them. When you were embraced in this city, you remember seeing this man talking to your sire. Uh, you never were told who he was uh, in terms of what his name was, but you do recall the position that he holds in the city. He is one of the paragons. He is one of the Cainites who have reached the pinnacle of his path of enlightenment, and his path of enlightenment is the path of Cain. You were never considered worthy to speak to him or know his name, but you recognize his face and you recognize that fact about him. Layla, you see the same man, uh, and I'll describe him. He is tall, dark-skinned, you recognize the features of someone who comes from Egypt. Does he have red hair? No, he does not have red hair. He has dark hair. But something inside of you recognizes him. Oh, blood calls to blood? Yeah, you you feel the power of his soul, and it touches something inside of you. She just sort of gives him a one-over, but she's going to scan everything he is wearing and everything about him for symbolism. Because I, I I tend to know we do that. <laughs> I don't know how many others do. We do, though. Yeah. You scan him. You see the signs. You see they're very deeply buried. You remember hearing about the Serpents of the Light, about the bloodline of the followers of Set who broke off. And you see the, the sort of the intricacies of that clan heraldry 
barely woven into, because he's not wearing something overt. He's wearing something very simple. It's it's simple, sort of black shirt, kind of a black jacket over it. Cotton and leather is mostly what he's wearing, but there is symbols woven into it in like black thread embroidery. And you notice serpentine iconography amongst some nodest stuff as well. But what jumps out at you are all sort of the, the common signs, the things that, that are common between the serpents and light and the, and the followers of Set. So you you see him. You, you, you're pretty sure you know what he is. She just like can't really take her eyes away from from him. She hasn't really encountered other people like her in the short time she's been away from the compound. And so sort of seeing it, it's, I guess it's like seeing a celebrity or, or something like that. And she just sort of instinctively grips her ring finger with her other hand because around her ring finger is a, a snake tattoo, almost like a wedding band. And so she just sort of holds it and just zones out in that direction. So this man passes by the three of you, and he just sort of breezes right past you. But you and Paisley, how does Paisley react to this? I want to feel like he feels. I want to be as enlightened as he is. So there's sort of a, a jealousy, but a happy jealousy. Like, I am happy that he is where he is, but I would also like to be like that. So I am... It's less like seeing a celebrity and more like seeing somebody you would like to be. Like, just... A mentor, a, 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 a patron, a, a, almost almost like a saint in a weird way. Yeah, a mentor. Thank you. Yeah. So, Reggie and Buck, uh, how do you take in... Like, uh, obviously a man who, who is incredibly assured of himself and has presence and you see you can it doesn't take too much to see like that other people react to him and like show deference to him but you're seeing your, your pack mates react to this guy how does that hit you let's see i i don't know i'd like to well then do you want me to play wingman for you i can mm, maybe i don't know what I would say. You know, that's actually rare for me. That is rare for you. Normally, I'm I'm pretty glib. Normally. Am I intimidated? Oh my god, I'm intimidated. That, that, that might be what that feels like, yeah. Ugh, disgusting. Let's wait for a minute and then let's see. Okay. Okay, so he strolls in, he takes his place near the front of the chapel, and Leon with Paisley in tow, you eventually come to a little sort of out of the way alcove. You're kind of like doing a once over and you see this little alcove that you didn't notice before. And there is a small gaggle of people just sort of sitting in this little alcove. They have little uh, pretty nice camp chairs that they've brought in because there's no like pews or anything. But one of them put her chair like up on some stairs. So she's a little bit higher than the rest of them. And your attention, Leon, is drawn to this woman because you feel the darkness around her. You see how she has fine-tuned the shadows around her. And in a way that no one 
what someone who also has oblivion could tell. That's how subtle and masterful she's doing it. Everything's just uh, etched out very carefully around them. Mm -hmm. This woman is known to you. She's known to you by description because only a few people know her name. But you know why she holds such power and mastery. Uh, This woman is a paragon of the Path of Night. It's not known because she is afforded such respect that if she doesn't want you to know certain things about her, then you just don't know them. But you also know that she is renowned as a master of the Abyssal Arts. Do I know if she's supposedly old? She is old. She's Anarch Revolt old. And you also notice one of her companions. He looks like a very young man. He's wearing priestly remnants. And you do recognize him. You know his name. He is Father Marcel, and Father Marcel is one of the leading members of a path that is unique to Montreal as the path of nocturnal redemption, and they seem to be in deep conversation. But you clock these two, and as you pass by... If they're just chatting, and it doesn't look like they're like in super serious conversation, he'll actually make a stop and tell Paisley, he's like, Paisley, let's make sure we introduce ourselves to them. We don't. Are we also allowed to introduce ourselves to... I don't know his name, but he talked to my sire after I climbed out of the dirt. Well, if you wish to go talk to them, I will... I can do this on my own. Oh, no, no, no. I'd like you there with me. As you approach, you cannot help but notice when you cross into the alcove, the shadows behind you close in. And you realize that the only reason you saw these people is because they let you. And they stop their conversation and just look at the both of you. He bows very, he's actually more rigid and respectful than you've seen him, Paisley. And he goes, uh, first he goes to, looks to Father Marcel and goes, Father Marcel, honor to meet you. And of course, it is an honor to meet you. Uh, he, he gives deference to the woman, but doesn't know her name, so he doesn't say anything. Father Marcel says, welcome to Montreal, my son. Its arms are wide open and has welcomed us. Are you the ones who come from us from down south? Yes. This is my uh, priest, Paisley. Sister Paisley. Hello, Sister Paisley. Uh, yeah, hi. Hi, I'm the priesthood holder in this pack. Yes, hi. Hi. How is Prisky Vikos these days? Lovely. Vibrant. The last I saw her, she was saturating herself, making herself ready for the nights to come. When Espot is concluded, perhaps you can visit our chapel. And he brings out a card, has an address. He'll gracefully take it. I would be honored to visit you. I'm intrigued. It has been many years since I've been to such an elaborate Espot. I think things are starting. Yes, yes. I will leave you two to what you need to do. Before you leave, the woman stands, takes a step down, and puts her hand out, palm down. He he gingerly takes it, and I uh, believe that the appropriate etiquette is to kiss it. He will. You think the proper etiquette would be to kiss it? That seems to be the way she's holding her hand. And he does. When your lips touch the back of her hand, it's cold. Like frostbite cold. Like, you feel your lips go brittle, and you kind of have, you actually have to, like, wrench your head away as they stick slightly to her skin. And you just see 
in the moments before you lean down, you see that the back of her hand is just covered in shadow when it wasn't before. He nods and nods definitely to her, and then he will depart. So from our perspective, did they just walk, walk into a wall of shadow and just then come back out? Yeah, you watch them. You watch them duck into an alcove, and then just shadows consume that place. Yeah, as we leave that place, uh, just Leon. You know how the rest of the group feels about Clan Zumiti. It's about how I feel about your clan. Shadows aren't supposed to do that. Hmm. He he looks down a little curious, like that's surprising. But my clan is um more subtle than the Zumisi are about their, um, inhumanity. Yeah, shadows aren't supposed to do that, though. Flesh can do whatever it wants, but that's that's a little scary. Well, trust me, I look at you sometimes, and you're a little bit scary, too. Aw, thanks. <laughs> yeah, he will, he will go back to the pack. And don't worry, we will talk to him, the one you want him to talk to later. Yeah, he is up at the front. Yeah, I think it might be rude to talk to him right now. Let's get, uh, where, where's the kids? People are starting to mill, get into place. There's sort of beginning of liturgical chants starting. S-Bot is rolling its way in a very, it's much slower than any of you are used to. There is a lot more of, there's a lot more codified ritual to this S-Bot. You know, each pack, each coven of the city has a sort of a call response in the sort of opening liturgy. You hear a couple of nomadic paths do a sort of a generic call response. So by the time it gets to you, you guys know what you need to say. If any of you have ever been to a Catholic mass, it is longer and more detail oriented than that. There are little rite going on everywhere. And this just seems to be the opening of the evening. How is Buck taking all this in? So this is probably the first time that he's been exposed directly to the blatant monstrosity. And he's, I'd like to believe that he's kind of torn about it. On the one hand, there's a lot of it that's really kind of cool. Like Spider Lady freaks him out, but that's, that's also pretty damn neat. And you got these guys over here with their weird shadow capes. And you got giant weirdo with snake tattoos and then that's cool don't know what that's about but he's also he just he's 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 got a lot of social anxiety because you know as much as he likes to act like he's not afraid of anything he he doesn't want to embarrass everybody so i think he's mostly just sort of sitting at the back of the room doing his characteristic mcgrumpy stein thing but it's sort of covering for the fact that he's he's terrified he's going to say the wrong thing and get everybody in trouble so as you're sort of settling into a paranoia, you start to notice something on the edge of the crowd. Every couple of minutes, you see someone wearing very nondescript clothes, someone who is very good at looking like they're supposed to be where they're supposed to be, but they keep moving. Like, one minute they're coming out, they're sort of at the edge of the cathedral space. Another minute they're at the back. And by the time things are getting full in screen, like, you are, like, head on a swivel, like, tracking this person. Because you know a predator stalking prey when you see one. 
and it's almost impossible to not try to look for this person for you. So I think Buck will probably do the same thing. And he doesn't have any obfuscate. He really doesn't have any stealth either, but he's he's going to sort of blend into the crowd and try to get close to the person and see how long it takes them to notice him. Give me a wits stealth roll. Since I've only got two dice and one of them is a... One of them's a hunger die. They both came up as 10. So that's a... That is a messy critical, yeah. Okay. So yeah, you can't help yourself. You... Something inside of you... It's a mix between, like... Predator's instinct and... Playfulness. Like, you know when, like, a kitten or a puppy... Just can't help itself trying to fuck with its parent? Oh, yes. That is the instinct that grabs you. You know that it's stronger than you, whatever it is. You know that it's older than you. You know it's more powerful than you. But the beast just wants to follow it, to try and tag it, to try and get its attention. And you eventually, when you think you've lost them, you run right into them. Because they just sort of waited around a corner and stood there. And you come around the corner and you just run into this person. And now that you're up close to them, the term nondescript doesn't even begin to cover it. Because you've seen grotesquerie from the discipline of vicissitude. But you are pretty certain that this person has had all distinguishing features just sort of smoothed away. And... They are inches away from you when you round this corner. And uh, just kind of a hissing voice comes out and says, What are you hunting for? Um, Buckle kind of stare right into its eyes. Yeah, he knows it's more powerful than him, but he kind of figures everybody here can kill him. And if they decide they want to do that, there ain't really a lot he can do about it. So he just stares right directly into its eyes and he says, Uh, I don't I don't really know yet. I feel like I know I'll know it when I find it. Hmm. I could show you things to hunt. God. Yeah. I, I think that might be fun. I I don't want to hunt little shit though. Hmm. And like just the blandest smile but Beneath it, you see fangs. And he says, I have found a very big prey. I get that feeling. He says, you... You seem like Hunter, yes? Yeah, ever since I was... Ever since I was a little child. Gives me purpose, makes me feel like I got a... I don't know, a reason. I am called Skinner. I'm Buck. The irony of those two names together does not escape me. I think the Dark Father has put us together. I always look for the young. They need to be shown. You sound like my daddy. I am not your daddy. That's pretty clear. Yeah, maybe after tonight's events, look me up. I bet you could find me if you wanted. Who is your Ductus? If you just look for the most annoying Lissombra here, that's the one. There are many annoying Lissombra here. I'll point towards Leo. And if he notices me, I'll smile and wave like I didn't just say that. 
he does look over like somebody's looking at me. He looks over and he's like, he's like, what are you doing all the way over there? Like, hey, hey, hey Leo, what's up, man? <laughs> Everything's great. That one. Yeah. So when you look back, he's not there anymore. Right on. Cool. I like that guy. Esbot continues. The Sermon of Cain is read by the man who both Paisley and Layla recognized. It's not elaborate. It's not overlong. He reads a few pages of the Book of Nod, and he ends his remarks by saying, Do we fear Gehenna? Do we hope for Gehenna? Do we ignore the signs and hope that it never comes? The signs are there. The ancients rise. We must be right with ourselves. We must tame our beasts. We must master our blood. We must look into the dark places within and without, or we are all lost. We are all damned, but I believe that we have someone to look to, someone to show us the way. Not a god, not an object of worship, but a hero and a father. He is in you. Look for him inside, and you'll find him looking back at you. Praise Cain. Thank you for listening to this week's chapter of Blood Covenant, a V5 Sabbat story, presented by Simulacra Studios. Simulacra Studios is an entirely listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash Studios. Patrons can listen to the entirety of Season 1 right now. In addition to gaining access to our private Discord server, where you can chat with the cast and crew of all Simulacra Studios productions. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.